And now, a message from Pastor Michael Carmody. Wow, good to see everyone. How are you? Awesome. It's nice to be here today. And uh, it's nice to be able to finally, I get to participate in the Share, Share the Hope series. This is my first opportunity to do that, and I'm quite excited about it. Sorry, I have a problem here. I'll fix it, and then we'll get on. Okay, there we go. So, um, yeah, so I get to share the hope today. Uh, it's the last, today is the last uh, s- s- installment on this series of Share the Hope. It's not as easy as it looks. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this. And again, you've already been welcomed, but welcome. It's good to see all of you, all of you that are joining us online today. It's great to see you or watching this um, in, re- in recording. That's awesome. It's great to have all of you with us today. So I get to talk about sharing the hope by serving our community. That's the one. Yep, that was it. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, the thing is, you and I are here for a reason. We are here to demonstrate the love of God to the world around us. That's what we're here for. And I have a passage I want to read to you because we're going to talk about how we can serve our community and how we can and we do and how we can continue to share hope with the world around us by serving our community. And so this morning, I want to begin in the book of Galatians. You will not see a a slide for this today. I just wanted you to listen to me as I read from the Bible today. Would that be okay? So this is Galatians chapter 5. And I asked if it was okay. I was going to do it, whether you gave me permission or not, but I appreciate the nod. It's awesome. This is Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 13. 13 and 14. So just for a frame of reference, I'd like everyone to say Galatians 5, verses 13 and 14. Correct. There you go. For you have been called to live in freedom. Uh, By the way, this is for you, and you should be happy about that. You have been called to live in freedom. As Christians, we don't live in bondage. We don't live under the bondage of any kind of control over anything except the presence of God. That's pretty good news. Yes, You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law, Paul says, can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So there's a number of things that Paul's saying here that I want to use as just kind of like a little foundation, a little uh, platform to build my message on today. And um, I I wanted to just start with this because it's so awesome for us to recognize and realize that we have been called to liberty. Am I I working okay? Perfect. So we have been called to liberty. We've been called to be free, right? The microphone's working. I'm not doing so good. I get it. Yep. So we have been called... We have been called to freedom. You and I have a calling on our lives. And that call is to live in freedom. To live free from the dictates and the lies and all the junk that this world would try to tell us is important and has to be part of our lives. We are free from that stuff. Free to live for Jesus the way he wants us to live for him. And that's such good news. You need to nudge your neighbor and say, I'm pretty sure he's talking to you right now. So he says that we have been called to freedom. If we're not careful, we will use our liberty and our freedom as an excuse to do what we want to do instead of following what God wants us to do. And so he makes this pretty clear here. He says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity. How does it say it in this translation? Don't use your freedom as an opportunity to satisfy your sinful nature. But he says, instead of doing that, 
Use your freedom to serve one another in love. So let me, just, let me just hit something here. You and I have been called to freedom for the express purpose of being able to serve other people with love. Listen, when I'm free from all the lies and all the dictates of this world and all the lies and all the dictates of the stuff I've been through in my life and you've been through in your life, when we're free from all that, we are free then to love people and to serve them because there's nothing to keep us from doing that. We're free to express God's grace and God's compassion to people around us because there's nothing holding us back. There's nothing keeping us from that. Paul wrote a whole chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about love. And he, and he basically says this, it doesn't matter how much you know or how much you can do. The whole point of being a Christian, ladies and gentlemen, is that we love people and love them well. And if we love people, we are going to serve them. So the calling on our lives is not just to gain knowledge, to gain spiritual traction or whatever. Our, the calling on our life is to have enough Jesus in us to be able to love the people around us and to serve them in whatever ways we can. Amen. That's right, Pastor. That's good preaching. Thank you. So here's the thing. We are called to use our freedom to love and serve others, to serve others in love. If we're not serving people in love, if we're not serving them because we love people and we want their lives to be better, then we're probably serving for selfish purposes because we want to feel good about ourselves or we want people to know that we're doing something outside of ourselves. But really the whole purpose to serve is because we love people and we want them to know the hope that we know. And so we share the hope that we have so that people can know the hope that we know because that hope in them will set them free just like it set us free. And the more of us that are free and the more of us that are planting seeds of hope, the more hope there's going to be in the world and this world could be a different place. And so we have this wonderful privilege. And Paul kind of finishes this up in this verse here by saying the whole law can be summed up. Like the entire law, the all 10 commandments, all 613 laws of the Old Testament could be summed up in this one thought. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. So Paul says this. He's really repeating something that Jesus had already said. Same thing. All of this law is contained in this thought, love your neighbor as yourself. I'm letting that sink in for a minute. I'm pausing for effect. I know what to say next. I'm just letting this sink in. Because he says this. The whole law, everything that the Old Testament was pointing to is now fulfilled and you and I learning to love our neighbor as ourself. That is the key to being a Christian the way Jesus wants his church to function in this world. Loving our neighbor as ourself. You know, I wish it could be more complicated. I wish I could preach some lofty message that would get you guys all excited and pumped up. But you know what the fact of the matter is? It's that we have this wonderful privilege of, of, of joining God in his mission of loving the world. John 3.16, God so loved the world he gave his son. Jesus so loved the world, he hung on a cross. We so love the world that we serve those around us, and we do it joyfully because we want them to have the hope that we have. Am I right about it? All right, so let me get into my message. That was just kind of, as I said, the foundation, right? So we're going to talk about serving our city. We're going to talk about serving our community, serving those around us. And I'm going to take a little bit of a different track to get there today, just a, just a little bit different. Um, and I want us to begin, you'll see on the, on the screen here, Acts chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 42 of Acts 13. When the service was over, Paul and Barnabas were invited back to preach again the next Sabbath. As the meeting broke up, a good many Jews and converts to Judaism went along with Paul and Barnabas, who urged them in long conversations to stick with what they'd started, this living in and by God's grace. So let me just paint a picture for you here. 
The Apostle Paul and his sidekick Barnabas, Paul's on his second missionary journey. They land in the city of, of Antioch in Pisidia. And uh, they come into this city and they begin to preach in the synagogue. And the people come and listen to them preach in the synagogue. And it says here when the service was over that Paul and Barnabas were invited to preach again the next, the next Sabbath. They're invited back. And I told the first service, I get invited to preach in a lot of places once. But, but it's always nice when you get invited back, right? Um, and they keep inviting me back here. Anyway, so... Uh, it's nice when you get invited back. So they got invited back. They get to come back and, and preach another time. But I thought it was interesting. It says, when the service was over, Paul and Barnabas were invited back. And as the meeting broke up, a good many Jews and converts from Judaism went along with Paul and Barnabas, who urged them in long conversations to, to stick with what they'd started, this living in and by God's grace. So the meeting breaks up. People are starting to leave. And all of a sudden, this whole group of people come and start asking Paul and Barnabas questions. And it occurred to me, the service was over, but church was still going. Church wasn't over when the service ended. And so they, they, they started asking these long, they had these long conversations about God's grace, about living in God's grace and living by God's grace. So I thought I'd have a long conversation with you today about living in God's grace and living by God's grace. That'd be all right? We're going to do that for the next hour, 35 minutes, something like that. But look at the next verse. Oh, it'll go fast. The, when the next Sabbath came around, check this out, practically the whole city showed up to hear the word of God. The whole city. Paul was having an, an effect on the entire city of Antioch, Pisidia. That is pretty incredible. I mean, he's having an effect on the entire, almost the entire city. And somewhere in that message, in that second Sabbath, when Paul went back to preach, somewhere in his message, he said this. Look at this in verses 48 and 49. The door is open to all outsiders. All the outsiders in the house say, thank you, Jesus. The door is open to all, uh, all the outsiders, and we're on our way through it. We're going through that door, following orders, doing what God commanded. When the non-Jewish outsiders heard this, they could hardly believe their good fortune. They were struck with hope. All who were marked out for real life put their trust in God. They honored God's word by receiving that life. And this message of salvation spread like wildfire all through the region. This message just took off. The, 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 the ground was ready for this message to be accepted. And it just began to spread. It began to have a, a, a huge influence. I love this idea that they have these conversations about grace. He comes back. He, he encourages them to stick with the grace that they had been shown. And if you think about that, every one of us in this room are living under God's grace. We're living in God's grace. Whether you currently, right now, as you sit here this moment, whether you'd consider yourself a follower of Jesus or a Christian or not, I guarantee you this, you are already living in God's grace. God has already extended grace to you. Whether or not you've accepted that grace is irrelevant to the fact that the grace has been offered. And when we accept that grace, that grace begins to change us. But here's the thing. There are no limits to God's grace. When God sent his grace to this earth in his son, it was for all people. 
for all time, and there are no limits. Those people that we sometimes think of as just being beyond the reach of God's grace, I guarantee you, they're not only within the reach of God's grace, but may actually be very close to God's grace captivating their heart and changing them. I find that sometimes as people get closer to responding to God's grace, it makes them irritable because the old flesh just doesn't want to give up. You know what I'm talking about? So that person at work that you know, just kind of rubs you the wrong way, it could be that God is doing something by his grace in that individual's life because he loves them and you get the privilege of sharing the hope with them. Amen. That's pretty good news. Amen. We're living in God's grace. I guarantee you right now, God's grace is at work in us. In fact, look at 1 Corinthians 15.10. It says, Paul wrote this, By the grace of God, I am what I am. Anybody in the house to tell me that you are what you are today by God's grace? Let me see your hand. You are what you are by God's grace. Me too. And then he says this, And his grace toward me has not been in vain, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, any of his contemporaries. He said, though it was not I, but it was the grace of God that is in me. This is an amazing passage of scripture that says that it's actually God's grace working in us to change our lives. I don't have to change my life. All I have to do is submit to God's grace working in me, and God's grace will change my life from the inside out, right? We live in the power of God's grace. I don't think that made contact. Let me try it again. We live in the power of God's grace. You and I today, we live our lives in the power of God's grace. Let me define that word grace for you. Here's how James Strong from the Strong's Concordance defines grace. The divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Grace is God's divine presence working in us, the, presence, the very presence and power of God working inside of us, and then that grace, that power being reflected in the world around us as we live our lives. The grace to serve, the grace to think of others, the grace to follow the golden rule, to put others ahead of ourselves, to treat people the way we want to be treated. The grace to take 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and say, nothing else in my Christianity is as important as me learning to love unconditionally like Jesus did. Me becoming more and more like him so I can do more and more of what he did and actually share hope with the hopeless around me. See, they don't need more rules and regulations. They don't need the 613 laws of, of the Jewish religion. They don't need the Ten Commandments. You know what they need? They need the hope of a grace that can change people and set them free and give them liberty. That's what we need, isn't it? So this idea of the divine influence in our heart and its reflection through the life, I want to just say something. The Spirit of God is working in you today. Amen. He is working in your life. No matter who you are, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing today, He is working in your life. He desires to redirect you. He desires to guide you. He desires to change you more and more into His image. He desires to share His hope for this world through you because His Spirit, His grace working inside of us ju does just that. He's reflecting his life through your life today. That's his desire. The ability to love unconditionally. The ability to love unconditionally only comes from God's grace at work in our lives. I know this. You know this. It, you, there, there is, I think there are some people who absolutely go out of their way to make themselves less lovable. And by God's grace, I'm not talking about anybody. Don't be looking at me. I'm not talking about anybody in here. By God's grace, we get to love them anyway. Amen. In fact, we get to mostly love them, right? By the way, in Christ there is no them. It's just all us, right? So we're not only living in his grace, but we're also living by his grace. The, grace of, the life that we live today is lived by the grace of God. By the grace of God. 
If it weren't for God's grace, for that power working inside of me and reflecting through my life, I know where I would be today. I would either probably be in prison or most likely dead. The life that I was living when I came to Christ was not a life that could continue for much longer without something breaking. So when, the, when, when we say that we live by the grace of God, it's true for all of us. Look at this verse in Galatians 2. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. The whole point of this is that the life that we live right now is not our life. It's life that we have been given by the grace of God. It's life that we have been given through an extension of God's power being worked out in our own individual lives. When we allow God's grace to work in us, it reflects through our life. When we let God's grace work in us, it allows us to share hope with the people around us. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you go to work or you go about your daily life and your business in this world, you will run across a lot of hopelessness in this world. There's a lot of people who just don't know what to hope in anymore. Uh, people get caught up, you know, in, in political things and economic things and all this stuff that they've hoped in, and then it doesn't pan out the way they wanted to. And they're left, as it says in the, in the book of Proverbs, with hope deferred or hope that didn't happen. And their heart's sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we become unwell when we have hope in things other than God. But we get this wonderful privilege of not jumping in the conversation along with everybody, but sharing a hope that is real hope that can really help people see that there is a grace that can change their situation, that can change their life. Maybe as you sit here today, you need to hear the message that there is a hope, there is a grace that can change your life, that can change your future, that can change who you are right now and how you see the world right now, that can set you free from all that junk that tries to keep your mind oppressed and your body sick and your, and your heart sick. There is a freedom from all that. It's in the grace of God, and that is the hope that we get to carry to this world that's the hope that we get to share with this world and when that hope when that hope takes place in our lives it begins to completely change us paul showed up on that second sabbath day to preach and it says almost the whole city turned out and so i was wondering to myself i thought to myself i said to myself i said self what does that mean that the whole city showed up what was that and so i did a little research like know what i found out let me just read a quote to you so they're in Antioch, Pisidia, right? By the middle of the first century AD, the city of Antioch, Pisidia and its surrounding villages had a population of nearly 100,000 people made up of Galatians, Phrygians, Greeks, Jews, and Roman army veterans. Wow, that's, that's, that's quite a group of people. That is a very eclectic, I'm not going to take the time to go into why that's such an eclectic group of people, but there is such an, an unusual gathering of people there, and almost the whole city shows up to hear Paul preach. Does that mean there's almost 100,000 people there? It's possible that there was almost 100,000 people there to hear Paul preach. Now listen, in the first, middle of the first century AD, that is a big crowd. That's a big crowd today. 
But back then, that would have been a huge crowd. I don't know if it meant that or if it meant that there were representatives or segments from every selection and every type, every type of person in that area was there. I can imagine 100,000 people gathering around trying to hear this guy, and somebody, he preaches, and somebody else preaches back what he said, and they just keep doing this and sharing the hope. I mean, I can see that happening. It doesn't say that that's what happened, but you've got to use your imagination sometimes. The Bible gives you some words, and then you look at it and say, 100,000 people? Oh, what if only half of them showed up? Still 50,000. Not your neighbors, that's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. You know what was happening? That entire city was being changed by the hope that Paul was preaching. And when the people came to talk to him afterwards, all he had to talk about was grace. It's all because of God's grace that we have hope. We don't have hope because of what we can do. We don't have hope because of what mom and dad did. We don't have hope because of anything other than the fact that God has extended a grace to us in Jesus Christ that annihilates everything against us and fills us with an extreme hope. Not the kind, oh, I, gee, I sure hope everything goes okay. No, a confident expectation that God is who he says he is, that he does who he's, what he says he does, and that he sets his people free. Amen. And he gives us a chance to share the hope. Paul's message of grace got people's attention because it gave them hope. Look at that, that verse again that we read in Acts 13. This is Paul there preaching. Somewhere in his message, he makes this statement. The door is open to the outsiders, and we're on our way through it, following orders, doing what God commanded. When the non-Jewish outsiders heard this, they could hardly believe their good fortune. They were so filled with hope. I mean, this hope gripped their lives. They knew they were outsiders. The Jews told them every day. You can't have contact with our God. You can't be part of who we are. Even if you follow our 613 laws and our Ten Commandments, you can't really be who we are. It's a bloodline, and you are an outsider. Suddenly, one of their own shows up and says, the door is open for outsiders. You know what? I was so glad that the door was open for outsiders because I was definitely an outsider. I mean, I was such an outsider. The outsiders called me an outsider. I mean, when you're outside of the normal flow of human life and somebody extends grace to you, it fills you with hope. I'll tell you what, if you're right in the center of a life that looks to be perfect and wonderful, suddenly you realize you still need God's grace. There's a hope that floods our lives that can't be explained. Am I right about it? It was the fulfillment of the Old Testament that all the nations of the world will be blessed through Abraham and his offspring. His offspring is Jesus. Now all the nations of the world, all the outsiders are being blessed. And here we are in the United States of America a couple thousand years later enjoying the same grace and the same hope that Paul was talking about in Antioch, Pisidia a couple thousand years ago. And our lives are deeply affected. Am I right about it? So we have this wonderful privilege of joining in that message. We have a wonderful privilege of informing anyone who will listen that the good news of Jesus includes them. I'm going to say that again. We have the privilege of informing anyone who will listen that the good news of Jesus Christ includes them. His grace stretches to them. His hope and his compassion was designed for them to set the outsiders free. People that we know that are not close to Jesus right now, I'll tell you, well, you keep praying for them, you keep getting up beside them, you keep showing them a love of God by serving them however they need to be served. And I guarantee you at some point the grace of God will captivate their lives because that's how it works. We have the honor of showing others, not just verbally telling people about how good God is, but showing him by serving them. 
It was the grace that motivated Paul and Barnabas. It's grace that motivates us to serve. You know what Paul and Barnabas were doing there? They left their jobs. They traveled. It was not easy to travel in those days. You didn't jump in a plane and fly halfway across the world. You, it was difficult to travel, and they were traveling for one reason. They wanted to share hope with people. Amen. And they show up there, and they start sharing this hope. They were serving these people the grace of God. They were serving them. They were serving this group of outsiders, this this group of people who people would look at and say, how do you even begin? How do you even begin to address such a diverse group of people? You know what Paul knew? He knew that grace was a universal language. He knew that hope was a universal language that cut through all of the different cultural barriers because all humans need hope. All humans need grace. And that's what he preached. And that's what we get to do when we serve others. We get to carry a grace and a hope that cuts through all the cultural divides. As a body... We are people who serve our community. And as one of the pastors here and as someone who's been part of the leadership in this church for a few years, I am honored to serve with you and to be part of a body of people who reach out to our community and make a difference in our community. We serve our city regularly, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on an annual basis. We are focused on serving our city, not because we want to make a name for ourselves, but because we love people. We, we do the things that we do in this city simply because we love people. And I have conversations with people all the time in this city. And when they find out I'm from New Covenant, they say, oh, man, you guys do so much for people. And I don't like to necessarily take those accolades because, you know what, I don't feel like we do so much. But I do believe that when you love people and you demonstrate that, it makes a difference in people's lives. I have a video here I want you to watch. It's about five minutes long. They just I want you to know as a body of people, we're all in this... I guess, I guess, I guess that shut up and sit down, preacher. Um, but I want you to know that as a body of people, as a body of people, we're all in this together. Yes. And we get to make a difference together. And we do this when you serve, you are sharing hope with the world around you. Go. Fix your eyes on the prize of life. All the binds throw it all aside. Don't grow weary and don't lose heart. Steve Rowe, the executive director of Beacon of Hope, and um, I just want to say how much I appreciate you guys. You have partnered with us, but you're not just partnered with us. You, you were there in the very beginning, back in 2010, that we've partnered with you guys. Um, you have supported us. Uh, Pastor Mike served on the board for a while. Uh, and still a number of your um, members still are on our board of directors and um, you have just been a huge part of our ministry and um, but not just financially but you've also served um, the moxie and the the youth group have come and served uh, meals and pizza uh, they've come and helped in the warehouse and organizing, cleaning, um, and so you guys partnered in many ways besides just financially. And um, we just really appreciate how long you guys have been partners with us. Oh, and I might add, you adopted a room and you guys totally redid, it's our overflow room, which is now where we have uh, seven, eight hospital beds. 
for the people that are in extreme need, but you guys painted the room, you put um, our ceiling fans in, and, and got us the curtains, and you guys redid that whole room for us. And we appreciate it so much. here in the area um, helping low-income families with various services and we are very thrilled to know that we have um, for many years now had the support of New Covenant um, being able to help with donations to various programs that we offer to families um, a lot of what we do wouldn't be able to happen without donations and support from the community so um, just know that the families that we work with are very grateful to receive the help you know, whether it's um, just kind of an ongoing service or more of something when they're in crisis and really in need, knowing that we are here um, to be able to help kind of fill some of those gaps and needs. Um, and we are just very appreciative for all the help. So thank you. So, so why do we do all those things? We do all those things for the joy of serving, because we love the people around us. We love our city. We love our community. You know, we heard this in this, in this series on Share the Hope, that we don't need to speak badly of our city or our towns or where we live. We should speak positively. Sure, there's negative things. There's negative things everywhere. We live in a broken world. But there's also a need for us to speak hope and life. And when we serve, we're sharing the love of God. We even, we even put together, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, we put together a CD, a, a, an album of songs called Share the Hope. Because we wanted to be able to share the hope 
with people around us. And that's what we do on a regular basis. So when, we, when we're doing this serving, when you and I are out there serving the world around us, we're not just using our mouths to preach the gospel, but we're using our hands and feet as well. There's an ancient patriarch that had this quote. He said, preach the, preach the word at all times. I'm sorry, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Sometimes we think we're not preaching unless we're up in somebody's face. They probably don't need you up in their face. What they probably need is your hand to come alongside of them and help them in some way. And that opens up hearts to receive hope. That's right, preacher. Jesus is, see if anybody agrees with this, Jesus is the hope of the world. And with his grace in us, we too have now joined him in becoming the hope to this world. The church is hope to this world. We get to be hope to our city. You and I are a huge part of that, and it's such a joy, is it not? I want to just give you one last thought here as we finish this series. Let's together be determined that we're going to share the hope with the world around us by speaking positively and, and helping and serving however we can, wherever we can, whenever we can, because that's the call on our life. You all with me this morning? For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.